Good morning. So today's scriptures comes from Jonah chapter 4. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh was more than a 120,000 people who could not tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And now for the answers. Thanks. Good morning. Today we have a great blessing. We have one of our preachers in our regular rotation. Clark preaches every nine years or so. <laughs> but we are thrilled to have Clark Dinkong with us. Uh, his wife, Janet, has been a global worker with Cole for over 30 years. And uh, I think Clark decided he wanted to be one of our global workers, so he married her so he could join our global worker uh, entourage. So we're, we're just thrilled to have you, Clark. Clark and uh, Janet are workers in inner city Manila. He's a church planter, evangelist, someone with a great heart for God. Let's welcome him, shall we? Good morning. Thank you for all the support that you have given us and the partnership that we shared over the years. And it's great to be here, and we feel really your love to us while we are here. Um, it's been nine years since the last time we are, we've been in Boise. And, uh, you know, I live in an urban jungle in Manila where there is 18 million population during the day. And during nighttime, there's about 13 million people living there, and you could see all the noise, hear all the noise, and lots of pollution. So it's quite a relief for us to be here uh, for a month and a half, because when I arrived in the airport, my family and I arrived in the airport, I felt a little bit strange, because it is so quiet here. <laughs> and when we went into the apartment, Asher drove us to our apartment, it was even more quiet there. <laughs> so, so quiet that I could hear the grass grow. I'm just so thankful. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this time and pray that you bless us with your word. And Lord, impart the truths that you want to impart to us today. 
and that we would receive it in full and realize it in our own personal lives. In Jesus' name, amen. My sister and I were among the first of the family who became believers, and for years we prayed for our father. And at some point, my sister said, I have difficulty praying, I think I'm going to stop praying because he is too worldly. But I continued to pray for another 10 years. And on the 10th year, my father, at the age of 70, gave his life to the Lord Jesus. And for the next 12 years of his life, he became an evangelist and preacher. He would just share the gospel with anyone. And on the last year of his life, he was suffering from cancer, three surgeries in a year, down to 40 pounds on his sick bed. He would continue to witness to the doctors, to those who would visit him. And his nurse came to know the Lord through his witness and even followed the Lord in water baptism shortly after his death. What we learned, my sister and I, what we learned is this. Do not prejudge people because they are worldly and don't give up praying for them. Jonah prejudged the people of Nineveh. For him, they don't deserve salvation because Nineveh is a wicked city. These Assyrians who comprise the city are known for their cruelty and brutality. Whenever they conquer a nation or a city, there would great atrocities that is unspeakable. They would skin their enemies alive. They would cut their heads, mutilate, and put their heads into a pyramid. They were just so cruel, and not only cruel, they were turned over to violence, immorality, and greed, and idolatry. They had no need for the Jews, and the Jews hated them. And so for a man, a Jewish man, to be called by God to witness to Nineveh and tell them of their wickedness and that they should repent, that is something that is totally unacceptable. So Jonah didn't want to go there and to preach against Nineveh. He went in a different direction, took a ticket to Tarshish and took a boat. But he was not successful because God sent a storm and eventually he was thrown over to the sea. And there a big fish swallowed him, and he stayed there for three days and three nights. And I could not imagine what it's like to be inside the belly of a fish. And finally, God commanded the fish to vomit him in dry land. And then in Jonah chapter 3, we find God renewing his call to Jonah. And this time around, Jonah obeys. And so he went to Nineveh, and there preached. The message. The message that we find is in verse 4 of chapter 3. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. One sentence sermon, eight words. Four words in Hebrew. And that is all. That's it. And he was hoping with that one sentence sermon... They would be burned by God with fire and brimstone coming from heaven and silly killing all of those people. But what happened was totally the opposite that Jonah expected. We continue to verse 6, uh, to verse 5, and it tells us that the Ninevites believed God. They believed the message that was delivered to them. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. There was an expression of genuine repentance and turning to God and turning away from the wicked ways. And not only that, the king himself, who was the ruler of that city, was directly involved in the repentance process. 
Verse 6, when the news reached the king of Nineveh, this was the king, he rose from his throne. This is a very significant thing. Because when the king sits on his throne and when he rises up, that signifies that he has a very serious intention. And then we are told that he took off his royal robes, which is a sign of humility. He covered himself with sackcloth, which is a sign of mourning and grief over sin, and sat down in the dust, which is a sign of repentance. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let any man or beast herd or food or flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let a man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent, may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So the king called upon all the people to turn away and to go through a process of mourning and grief. He was not even sure if God would give them mercy. But he was taking his chance. Maybe the Lord will have compassion upon us. What is happening here is a great revival that has never happened before in human history. The whole city repented. It's like there is a great revival and all the people in Las Vegas repented. It's like all the people in New York City repented. All people in Metro Manila repented, turning away from the sin and turning to God. Lord, have mercy upon us. And this great revival that happened in human history was because of a one-sentence sermon preached by a person who didn't want to be there, by a person who wanted that city to be destroyed and who hated the people he preached to. And how could that have happened? God made it happen. Because long before Jonah preached the message, God was always already working in the hearts of these people. We do not know what God will do next. We could not predict his next move. As we continue to share the gospel, we will not know what he's going to do next. I have this guy that I've been trying to win for the Lord for, since 2007. Uh, because we minister to the urban poor communities of Metro Manila. And there was one guy I met. He was a former gangster, left for dead in the rice fields. He almost died there, always in trouble. So I tried to reach out to this guy and share the gospel with him and tried to invite him to church, to our events, but he did not respond. On the 10th year, he suddenly shows up in church. For 10 years, I've been trying to reach out to him. So he shows up in church and I ask him, oh, you're here, what's the problem? And then he told me, Pastor, you've got to help me. My, 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 my wife is sick. And her stomach has grown so big like nine months pregnant. So I said, okay, I'll go there. This afternoon, I'll go there. So I went to his home. Very little home. No ventilation. Probably seven by seven. And there's like four of them living in that home. So I saw his wife. He could barely move. He could barely sit. And indeed, the stomach was very big. So I said, okay, before I pray for you, let me share this with you. I would like to let you know that God loves you. And God would like to forgive you. You just need to open your heart to him and receive him as your Lord and Savior. After all, he is all that you need. And so they said, yes, Pastor. We want to invite Jesus Christ in our lives. 
So I led them into prayer. And as I led them into prayer, tears rolled in their cheeks. And then I prayed for them. And I said, Lord, heal her. Heal her. They don't have the money to go to the doctor. Three weeks later, he came back to me and he said, Pastor, my wife is healed. Her stomach has shrunk to normal size. Now I'm going to commit my life to the Lord totally. I will serve Him. And just two weeks before I came here to Boise, I had the honor to baptize them, him and his wife and all the other 12 believers in the church, in water baptism. And what a glorious day it is. So when God saw that they repented, the Ninevites repented, verse 10 we are told, when God saw and what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, and had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. God cancels his judgment and shows mercy to these people. It was never expected. They didn't knew it. But God saw in their hearts that they're willing to turn away from their wicked ways and repent of their sin. Now, was Jonah happy about it? He was not. He was upset. What's wrong with this guy? Chapter 4, we are told, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, this is not what I said when I was still at home. This is, what, this is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. You see, God has a covenant love relationship with His people that He has promised He will be faithful. And Jonah didn't want to share and extend that love to others. Jonah was self-centered, self-righteous. He thinks these people here, they don't deserve salvation. They need to be judged. They need to be destroyed. They need to be killed. Jonah was thinking only of himself. He didn't have compassion for these people. His anger was misplaced. The irony was, Jonah was fine when God showed him mercy. God saved him in the belly of the fish. He was fine with that. He was thankful. And in fact, inside the belly of fish, when he was there for three days and three, three nights, he prayed to God, Lord, let me live. And now when he experienced the greatest missionary victory in his life, when all the whole city came to know the Lord, he now asked the Lord to kill him. He's the worst missionary ever. Talk about bad, rotten, negative attitude. He just couldn't handle it when God showed mercy to Nineveh. So he goes east. Verse 4 says, God replied, How have you any right to be angry? Verse 5, Jonah went out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in his shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So he went out where he could have a panoramic view of the city. On front row, he built a booth. And there he was waiting 
for the fire and brimstone to come down and to consume the whole city. He was waiting for that. But it did not happen. God has other plans. Verse 6, Then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow over to Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching heat, wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. When God gave Jonah the vine to be his shade, that was an act of grace. God was gently revealing to Jonah what is in his heart. And he loved the vine. And we are told that he was very happy. You three here, extremes. At one time he's very angry. Now he's very happy. He feels like he's being affirmed. Now God is treating me nicely. I deserve this. So he was looking for some affirmation that he's a lot better than the Ninevites and the Ninevites should be treated differently than God is treating him. It was some kind of insecurity that is showing up in his life. Now God provides the worm, it's the vine, and then a searching east wind that is so very hot makes him uncomfortable. And so he complains, I would rather die than live. Jonah didn't want grace to be extended to the people of Nineveh. He just wanted that grace for himself. He was not happy with the grace that was provided to the Ninevites, but he was glad when God showed him grace. Jonah found happiness and comfort in the thing that was given to him, the plant, which is a very small thing. And he delighted in that. He found comfort in that. And for him, it gave him a sense of value, a sense of self-worth. But God has to take it away from him so that he would see who he really is. To see for himself where his affection lies and for him to see that all these people out there also need the grace and love of Jesus Christ and that all that he needs is God. And sometimes God takes away the very things that we love, the very things that we cherish, only for us to realize that all we need for is him. Not of the things of the world that fills our emptiness. Not these material things, but God himself who fills the deepest needs of our hearts. The deepest longings. And sometimes, God has to take that out. Because it distracts us from him. It takes away our attention to the God who is self-sufficient to satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. And for the first time, Jonah is finally seeing himself. God shows him who he really is. Self-righteous, judgmental, angry, arrogant, lacks compassion, and adores himself. An idolatrous person who adores himself more than he adores God. He was up happy only when God made him happy. But things did not turn out the way he expected. He gets upset. He gets angry. 
So God was slowly revealing to him, Hey Jonah, I'm gently showing to you that as I am reaching out to these people, there is also a changing process that is happening in your life. And finally, since all that Jonah was cared for was the plant, he did not even invest anything on that plant. He did not plant it. He did not water it. He did not take care of it. And yet he was so concerned about it. And so God reveals himself to Jonah. And in verse 10, he tells Jonah, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not attend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Jonah, I want you to get it. These people here are evil and wicked. They don't know the right from their left. Which means that they don't know the difference between what is good and what is right, what is evil and what is righteous, and they could not make any moral decision in their life. They are in spiritual darkness. And you need to have compassion for them because they are lost. It is interesting that God had no problem dealing with the Ninevites when they repented. He showed mercy and grace to them. They were evil, no doubt about it. But the problem was with Jonah. And sometimes we are like that. We don't like to reach out to people we don't like. We don't like to reach out to people who are evil. Or people who are not like us. We'd rather be in our comfort zone. And so, God was shaking Jonah to get out of his comfort zone and declare the good news that there is salvation for his people. And God wants us to step out as well from our comfort zone to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give hope to the hopeless, to bring healing to those who are hurting, and to bring restoration to those who are broken. God wants to use us as His agents of change to bring about and make a difference in the lives of people. Jonah was very much like different or opposite of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, Yet when I preach the gospel, he said, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul was consumed with so much passion in his heart that he lives for Christ. And he even said, I have been crucified in Christ, in Christ who lives in me. And we could not let Christ, the Christ that is real in our lives, cannot be truly live in our hearts unless we die to ourselves. Because when, it is when we die to ourselves that the Christ in us will truly live. Death to self is a calling for every believer of Christ. We are not called only to receive Him and accept His invitation for salvation, we are also called to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ means death to self. Being crucified with Christ. So that the Christ that truly reigns in all the world and all dominions will truly reign in our hearts and be reflected in our lives. I would like to submit to you this morning three lessons from the story of Jonah. The first lesson, Nineveh needs us. Nineveh needs us. 
for all its cruelty and sinful brutality, Nineveh was ready to turn to God. Nobody expected that, but God saw that they were ready to turn to Him. The world today is full of Ninevehs, and God is looking for someone to go there. Nineveh represents the great cities of the world. But it is more personal than that. Nineveh, for us, stands for the place that you can only go. It stands for the person that you can only reach and for the opportunities that you can only feel. There are Nineveh's around us and God is calling us to share the message of salvation to them. People not like us. People we are not comfortable with. It could be our next neighbor with whom we have trouble with. It could be our difficult boss. Or people we have a hard time dealing with. The second, mess, the second lesson that I'd like to share coming out from this story of Jonah is God wants us to value what he values. And what he values is people. Is people all the time. The story of Jonah demonstrates that God is not satisfied with just mere compliance because what Jonah did was mere compliance. He obeyed. Okay, Lord, I'll go for the second time. I don't want to be in the fish again. So I'll go. And so he did. But God wants more than that. He wants us to understand his character. He wants us to love his people. In Luke chapter 9, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Lostness is the greatest strategy, is the greatest strategy today. Many people are lost without the gospel. Many people are empty deep inside of them. They are running on empty, and not only running on empty, but they are also running after emptiness. Things that are meaningless and that may make no sense, but they makes them feel good. But that emptiness can only be filled by the presence of God in a person's life. That is the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come to seek and save the lost, and that becomes our mission as well. Well, the thing is, God chooses us to be His method. There is no other method. It's only us. You know, uh, Acts chapter 10, we see here, an angel appeared to Cornelius, a Roman officer. And the angel said to Cornelius, Go and send a messenger to Peter who is in Joppa, so that he could come here and bring you the message. The angel did not preach to Cornelius. He had to ask Cornelius to send a message so that Peter could come and share the gospel to the Gentile. We are God's method. There's no other method. We are it. Third and final lesson. God works on us as we do His work. In the process of responding to God's call to bring the message of salvation to others, we too are changed. We don't only see the conversion in the lives of other people, we see also the conversion in our own very lives. God used Jonah not because he was a better prophet, in fact, he was the worst. But while God was converting, doing the conversion, among the Ninevites, he was doing also a transformation in the heart 
of Jonah and taking him into a journey to his self-righteousness, to his judgmental spirit, to his arrogance and idolatrous ways so that Jonah could see for himself who he really is and what God has meant him to be. And sometimes God sends us to a spiritual journey where we see our own weaknesses so that God could make us the kind of person He wants us to be. The grace of God is outrageous. It's awesome. It's out of this world. How could, a, how could an entire city be saved? All of those evil people. How could I be saved? I'm not worth saving at all. God's grace is outrageous, out of this world, unconventional, beyond reason. And that is so much to be thankful for. And that gives me now the burden. Because that grace that I have received is so real in my life. It just moves me to share it with others. And that grace that God has blessed us with is the great grace that we'll share to the others. So that there will be hope for them and for these people who are broken to experience restoration and healing in their lives. So while God was working on Nineveh, he was working with Jonah as well. I never imagined myself to minister to the urban poor of Manila. I never thought of that. In fact, when I was a new Christian, um, I never had a burden for them. It's, that, it's not that I just don't care, I just don't have it. And people would tell me, don't go there because... You know, there are criminals there, drug addicts, and you know, if you get into a relationship with them, they will just take you for a ride. But you know, I prayed. I said, God, Lord, give me your heart of compassion. Whatever it is your heart, Lord, I want that to be planted in my heart. So the Lord revealed to me Luke chapter 4, verses 8 to 19, which is the declaration from Isaiah 62, 1 and 2, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, The Spirit of God is upon me. And I have come to preach the good news to the poor, to bring release to the prisoners, to set them free, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to bring release to the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The favor of the Lord is upon us right now, and we are standing here to declare that to the world and let them know that God loves them, and God will forgive them of their sins, and new life will come upon them as they receive the power of God in their lives. We witnessed to a lot of poor people in Manila. And you could see their lives radically changed, even their faces. Because there's nothing like the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit that comes upon a man or a woman. The story of Jonah is not about Jonah. It's not about Nineveh. It's not about the big fish. It is about the very heart of God. The wideness and the mercy of God for all sinners who come to Him in repentance and receiving Him then in glory. People, God, God loves all peoples of the world. The Assyrians did not deserve it, but God spared them when they repented. In the book of Jonah, we see the full picture of God's love and compassion and realize that no one is beyond redemption. No man is bad enough that he cannot be saved. And no man is good enough that he can save himself. It is all by the grace of God through faith that we are saved. And God granted us that favor and so we rejoice. And it is the very reason that moves us. 
to share the same love that we receive from the Lord with others. Indeed, God's grace is out of this world. I could very well relate to Jonah. Back in 1997, the Lord impressed in my heart to plant a church and to reach out to the poor of Metro Manila. I struggled for two years because at that time I had a career. I, am, I was an economist before the Lord called me to the ministry and I did pretty well. And I have never trained for ministry. All I trained for was to be an economist. But Lord worked in my heart for two years I could not sleep because the Lord continues to shake me every evening and calling me out. And sometime in 1999, the Lord reconfirmed His calling for me. Janet and I, we went to another church where we were not members. And at the time, there was a pastor, a guest speaker, who came to share the word. And at the end of the message, he called out on people who would like to receive prayer. So Janet pushed me like that. <laughs> and a willing husband, I reluctantly went forward. And when it was my time to be prayed for, the pastor prayed, You've been trying to run away from God. I pray that God will not run you away this time. When I heard these words, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me in a very personal way. Because I never knew this pastor. I never had any contact with him. And then he continued to pray, and the Lord will use the gifts that he has given to you. The gifts of leadership, teaching and preaching. And you will use that for his glory. And I said, yes Lord. I will follow you wherever you will lead me. I will follow you. And since that day, I have not turned, I have not turned my back on the vision that God has planted in my heart. I'm so glad he did not put me inside the belly of a fish. <laughs> and the Lord has blessed us with ministries that has powerfully changed the lives of people. The poor, the broken, the criminals, the ex-prisoners. These were the people that God has led us to love. And to give them the message of salvation. We do not have much to share in their material needs. But while we have something that is worth all the riches in the world... And that true riches is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are talking about eternity here, not things that are temporary, things that will last up to eternity. And so the Lord is encouraging us today that we expand our vision of our world to grow in our compassion and love for people and love people the way God loves them and to see the world the way God sees the world. And to bring unto them the message of hope and salvation. I am so thankful and I am so blessed that Call Community Church is sending out missionaries all over the world. In its global outreach program, 26 missionaries being supported. To reach the world and doing its part. And even here in Boise, this church is reaching out to the refugees, to the broken, to the strangers. And I believe it's because of the compassion of the Lord that is in our hearts. I pray that the Lord will increase that compassion in our hearts, that we would grow more and more, and not to be like Jonah, 
who ran to Tarshish in a different direction, but now to run in the direction that the Lord is leading us. Not to be self-centered and self-righteous, so focused on ourselves, but to be people-oriented. Because Jesus, after all, went here for people, and He values people, He loves them, and therefore we have to shift our love and compassion for them. Not to be busy with our own things, but to be moved by the Holy Spirit, to make a difference in the people's lives, and to leave behind us a legacy of harvest of souls, that one day the Lord Jesus Christ will tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. God bless the body of Cole Community Church, and God bless each one of you. Amen.